0: Welcome to Hockey Prospect Radio, your voice for prospect news and analysis on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. Now, here's hosts Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. Welcome to Season 19, Episode 18, powered by Huddle Analysis, offering the largest data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide, and Junior Prospect Hockey League, Western Canada's newest developmental stream, for student athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level at juniorprospecthockeyleague.com. Now, this is going to be really interesting next two segments. So we're happy to bring on Mike McMahon, College Hockey Insider and Senior Writer for the College Hockey News. This has been a story that both Mike and I have been discussing for a decade, and it's finally come to fruition in a sense where it's becoming more front burner. And we're talking about CHL Canadian hockey league players being eligible to play in the NCAA for, and for the most of our lives or all of our lives, that's never been an issue or a topic of conversation. We've always thought Mike, it was a matter of not if, but when this was going to transpire and the NCAA always thought that CHL players were ineligible because they deemed them as professional players because they signed a contract. And I'm not saying that, and I think this became much more of a front burner issue and a concern for the NCAA, I think because of Austin Swankler. When he played for Erie Otters, and then he had the year off, and then he was signed by Bowling Green, um, given a scholarship, and went to college hockey... And then they realized, oops, he wasn't really eligible, but now it's too late. Now, I'm not saying this was the reason for this to happen. I think it was just a final nail in the coffin because there were other things that really added to it. I think Nil really made a difference in terms of the name and, you know, likeness that really pushed things forward. And the other fact, Mike, that I think that. You know the NCAA looks at it and they go, you know, we we're going to lose a cl- uh, a class action lawsuit if the CHL players come in and say, wait a minute, we're eligible and you're denying us our eligibility and I'm losing a potentially two hundred thousand or two hundred fifty thousand dollars scholarship, and that's fine if it's one player, but what happens if it's a hundred? Yeah, and that's the situation we're looking at. So. You know, you cover college hockey on a regular basis. I cover it from afar, but I go and see college hockey games, you know, and, and obviously I cover the prospects, but you're embedded in college hockey. From your perspective, and you've been covering this story for quite some time, thoughts on what you think the general impact is going to be to college hockey if the CHL players become eligible and it certainly won't be this fall it won't be in 2024, but most likely be in the fall of 2025. What do you think the impact will be? Cause I think it's going to be a seismic shift in the NHL college hockey CHL. I think it's a seismic shift in hockey and I don't think anybody's really talking
1: about it. Uh, yeah, I agree. Especially when you look at the number of players, uh, you know, I I kind of break it down like this. I, I and to back it up a little bit. I agree with you. I think, I think the main thing pushing this forward is the NIL money. Uh, the big reason being, that from my understanding, this whole thing started with the NCAA looking at all of their sports and trying to determine where are we vulnerable to future litigation. Uh, it wasn't just a hockey thing. They looked at all their sports, and then they went to those individual sports, the, the coaching bodies of those individual sports, and said, look, we're, we're thinking about making this change because we think we're vulnerable here. What do you think of it? Uh, so that that's kind of the stage that it's at now. The coaches are are asked for their opinion. They'll give their opinion in more detail in the spring. They have their coaches' convention. Uh, but the NCAA yeah. in Naples, Yeah, and the NCAA at the end of the day is the one making this decision. The coaches will have input in terms of an opinion, but the coaches, uh, the NCAA is, is the one who's going to make this decision based upon the fact that, you know, like you had mentioned, because of – the fact that the, these players are being compensated now through through NIL money and through something else called Alston money, uh, and then the, it the, makes pro the, the pro big
0: argument one, moot.
1: Moot, and the big one too uh, is a couple of months ago, Charlie Baker, the president of the NCAA, talked about uh, the this potential for a new tier of Division One, mainly for big football and big basketball. That's really what he's talking about. However, this new tier of Division One would include. Just straight up paying players. Hey, you're getting a scholarship and you're getting a salary. <laughs> uh so that's where I think a lot of it's coming from is they're looking at that going, Hey, so we, we have we have deemed these CHL players ineligible in the past because you know they get a per diem or or whatever their their rationale was. Uh, one of the big ones, which is not going to change, is the fact that the NHL can obviously assign players to CHL to the CHL league. So uh, the, the NCAA goes, well, you're playing with professional players. That that's that's why you're not an amateur. Well, well it's oh, also
0: ridiculous. It's, a, it's it's a ridiculous, it's a argument. Yeah, of course it is because anytime you play in an international tournament, say if it's the World Junior mm-hmm. Championships U20, the kids that come come and play for Team USA or any other country including Canada that are college players are now playing against pro players. Yep. So you now just made those players ineligible, but they said, Oh, that doesn't count, which is international
1: tournament, which is
0: completely (laughs) complete nonsense, right? You, you either playing against pro players or you're not playing against pro players. Which one is it?
1: So I think what it really boils down to is the NCAA has looked at this and and this is a a vulnerability that they have found and they have said, Hey, uh, exactly as you said, if we are ever challenged about this in court, we're going to lose. Uh, and if you look up the NCAA's track record in court, it's not good. They, I'm not sure they've won one case. I mean, like when it comes to this type of litigation, this eligibility type stuff, they are winless. <laughs> uh, they, they don't win. They, they lose every single time. So I, I think this is a, a potential big money issue that they're trying to get out in front of. And, and then what does it do? Well, from a, a college program standpoint, there's there's definitely and I've probably spoken to uh, three dozen people about this in the last four or five days. Uh, people in the NHL, people in the the couple of people in the CHL, a couple, a lot of people in the NCAA. Uh, I, there's obviously NCAA programs individually that don't want this to happen. I, I found two generalities, and, and these aren't you know hard and fast rules. I'm sure there's some exceptions, uh, but the programs that you can think of that generally recruit the the best 18 and 19 year olds the ones that generally recruit the first and second round picks the kids out, of the, program, be,
0: out of the, out of the program.
1: Yeah. And, the, and those programs tend to be the ones that don't really want to see this change happen. The ones, the, the coaches that I've spoken to who are excited about it, who see it as a potential uh, to, to help their program are the programs that, that generally recruit the older player, the 20 year old out of the BCHL or the use or the USHL or, or, or out of Europe or what have you. So that, and again, there's, I'm sure there's exceptions to both sides of that, but the the, the line between the, the ones that want it and the ones that don't tend to be the ones that recruit the, the blue chippers tend to not want it. The ones that recruit the old employers tend to want it. Uh, and... and I'm curious to what the coach's opinion will be in Naples in a couple of months because, let's face it, there's a lot more programs recruiting the older 20-year-old players than there are recruiting the first-round picks. That's That's a very small group.
0: That's interesting you say that because I I went through the 64 teams in college hockey in the United States, and I looked at it from this perspective. Okay, 64. How many of them generally recruit the blue chippers as we talked about? And I picked out 13 teams, mm-hmm.
1: 13, right.
0: 13. Yeah. So 51 don't now that could slide to maybe. And I said, there was a slot. I was looking at it. Maybe there's a slide to about another five. So it could be up to 18, but 18 out of 64. Look, 75% yeah. of them are going to vote for it. It's in their best interest. So,
1: and that's the thing. Like, I know they're discussing it as leagues right now. Uh, So some leagues have a call about this as early as this week. Uh, And it's funny because I've had some coaches who think it's going to be about split about 50 50 in terms of like an overall vote for the for the country. Uh, I haven't really found a coach who's been willing to admit that he doesn't think it's going to be any worse than like 40 to 20 (laughs) in favor. Because of the number of schools that that are really, I think, are going to look for or, or having a strong opinion that this may be good. There's also good. There's also coaches, by the way, who I've talked to who have been like, "I don't know that it's going to make much of a difference at all." I I I think they're they need more information, right? But uh, it, it's it's still important to note, as we discussed earlier, it could be sixty-four to, to to nothing against making the change. If the NCAA still decides, if the lawyers still bad. decide that they want to do it, they're going to do it they are yeah. asked the coaches have been asked for an opinion they've been told we will we will weigh your opinion heavily uh, in our in our decision making process but ultimately it is an NCAA decision.
0: It's the great green convincer. if they're if they're they look at the liability of NCAA and a class action lawsuit and the, the problem is because the more information gets out to the CHL players and to their agents that wait a minute, I have a really good player who could be eligible. And now you're saying he's not, but the precedent's on my side. Now what happens? So that's the key thing. That's what's really going to be interesting is because once you open up the discussion, like you can't hide it anymore. Like now you have no defense. You have no defense from that standpoint. So I think it's getting really fascinating. Stay tuned. We're going to take a short break on hockey prospect radio, where we're going to continue to talk about this subject with Mike McMahon right after these important messages every play every stat every breakdown on their own they're essential but all together they're undeniable introducing huddle instat a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash hpr to learn more.